All right, Mr. Wilson, thank you so much for being here today. It's such a, an honor and pleasure to have you and finally see you again, uh, but on Zoom. Yeah, my pleasure. Nice to see you. All right, so Mr. Ransom Wilson is a soloist uh, with three times Grammy nominations, music director at Red Light Symphony, and also flute professor at Yale School of Music. All right, so let's um, start by talking about, you know, when you first started, right? Looking back a little bit, Growing up, did you um, always know that you wanted to be a musician? I knew that I liked music. We had, a, we had an old piano in the house and I used to play around in it, but you know, and, and nobody was encouraging me necessarily. So I didn't really know. I just thought, oh, well, yeah, I like to do this. That's all. I didn't really think, yeah, I'm going to be a musician for the rest of my life. Um, it wasn't until, uh, you know, it, it like, I was in the deep south, you know, <clears throat> in Alabama, and everything's about football. So they took, you know, music is there basically to support the football program. So, it, so people start thinking about getting into a marching band, you know. So about that time, like fifth grade, sixth grade, they ask you to choose an instrument if you want to play in the band. So I listened and and looked, and I read, uh, I read, I read a little thing about each instrument. And the, the, the two that appealed to me the most were the English horn, you know, because it, they said it was melancholy and th that, that's certainly a big part of my personality. And, and the piccolo, because they said you could hear it over the whole orchestra. And, you know, it's funny, they were both two kind of auxiliary instruments, not, not, uh, not like strings or anything. But then, uh, I, so I tried to start on piccolo and they said I couldn't, I had to play flute first. And so that's how I ended up being a flute player. But very quickly it became, you know, kind of the central focus of my life. It was like the first thing that I, that I could do that really gave me so much pleasure. Mm, when did you start realizing that? I started when I was 12 and it only took about a month before I realized that I was gonna be really good at this. And then my, uh, my mother bought me for Christmas, a, a series of private lessons with this woman who turned out to be really wonderful. And uh, she, was, she, she was a speech therapist, but she was trained as a flute player and, and she was a very good flute player. And she was just a great teacher. And she started talking early on about color in, in the sound and that kind of thing, which for a 12 year old is a, is a pretty hard concept. Um, but the way she was able to explain it made it really uh, alive for me. And, and, and it's interesting now that even after all these years, one of the things that makes my playing uh, different from other people's is has so much color. So I, I, you know, I thank that woman for that. Interesting. So, so in terms of the, I guess the music career aspect wasn't a major thing that you always had to think about. You know, when you're when you're in a, a small town in Alabama, and the only the only music you hear around you is marching band, then you know it kind of limits your 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 thinking. So I thought, well, I, I'm I'm really good at this, so I guess I'll be a band director. You know, that was that was that was the highest career I could think of at the time. Um, but then my 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 parents noticed in the newspaper this. Uh, little article about a, an art school that was being formed in North Carolina, North Carolina School of the Arts. And they had just started and they were they were they couldn't find enough students, believe it or not. 
So they were they put advertise not advertising but articles in in every newspaper around the country, and uh, we saw that and decided to audition. At that point, I was about almost fourteen, I guess, and um, you know, and I went there and I realized, wow, this is a whole school of people like me, you know, that are really that really enjoy this and really dedicated to it. And then then I met people who had been there were career musicians. Um, so you know you're you're depending upon what you're exposed to your your thinking enlarges. So I'm glad that I was exposed to what I was exposed to. Right, that's interesting. I think the environment really matters. For me, it was not. I think it was a very similar experience for me. I started um, in Charlottesville, Virginia, where you know the resource is very limited. I was very lucky to to meet a very good teacher, James Tobin. You know thank him for inspiring me to, to play the instrument. Um, but you know, small town, the resources were limited. So it was not until I went to Interlochen for summer camp that I had the exposure of, suddenly everyone around me was in love with music. <laughs> and um, that was such a different feeling because, you know, in Virginia, I think, you know, it's the same thing was probably football or, or basketball, you know, more like athletics programs or, getting more attention than, than the music program. We have a very, very small band program. And I was like the only kid who would say <laughs> after 4 p.m. in school to practice. <laughs> and then people would look at me like kind of weird. But, you know, I was, I was glad that I ha had the gut to do that. So it prepared me for, you know, a, a new adventure, I think. And it ultimately got me to Idlewild, which I, I had the luck to meet you. Um, again, I always really appreciate you to, to give me all those extra coaching and help after rehearsal, I knew you were always intentionally doing that. But, uh, you know, we have a, such a short time before I graduate to meet. So, but, you know, always appreciative of what you did to me. Yeah. You, well, you know, what I noticed up at Ottawa, because uh, we met kind of recently up there, but I, I was there for 10 years before the, before, uh, before the time when I met you. I oh, was really? there. I was there back, yeah, like starting like 20 years ago, I was there for 10 years. And I noticed that even though it's a small school and it's, you know, and, and the, particularly the arts education was really very good. What made the biggest difference was individual instruction. Like uh, being able to take somebody like you aside and say, hey, uh, you should do that. You should, you're, you could be doing this better or whatever. And just having that personal uh, connection seems to make the biggest difference for people. And, um, I mean, I, interestingly enough, one of, one of our students during that period was Lee Young, who's now, yep. you know, principal oboe of the New York Philharmonic. That is right. Yep. And he was, he, was, uh, he, was a, he was a terrible student at the time. <laughs> I've he heard never of went, some stories. About <laughs> yeah, he never went to class. And, uh, you know, academic classes, he, he just had no, no use for. Um, and, and so they kicked him out. And you know it's it's hard to think sometimes that somebody as as great as Leung actually got kicked out of school, but he yeah. you know and an it, it it changed his life though because realizing that he actually was in control of his own future made a big a big big impression on him, and now he's a big supporter of the school you know he donates money and stuff, but uh, but I remember him well. Uh, and and he one of his classmates uh, was a, was a violinist who was in a similar situation. He just like 
he was like a wild child. You know, he just couldn't go to class. He couldn't, couldn't, couldn't do what he was supposed to do. And, uh, and I took him aside. This is when I knew he was going to be leaving the school. They were, they were expelling him, you know. And I took him aside and I said, you know, you, you're really talented. You should, you should think about this. You should, you, know, you should realize that this is all up to you, you know. And it was a very, it was a very short little talk. But I heard from him uh, many years later saying that, that that one talk changed his life. I mean, I'm not saying that I, I have anything special to say, but the individual, if the individual attention uh, and, you know, and at the, you know, when you're, when you're a troubled teenager, just having an adult who, who really cares, uh, who's not your parent, because it's, it's so difficult with, with your parents. Uh, that seems to make a really big difference. So whenever, uh, you know, whenever people ask me, like in schools, like what, what should we be doing? I say, get individual time with faculty. You know, just, it, 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 it doesn't even matter what the issue is, just some individual attention for kids at that age makes a really big difference. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, my advisor is uh, Doug Ashcraft. Which I think I'll be speaking soon on this podcast as well. Um, Great. Yeah, always, always checking in, um, always, you know, giving me attention. The, the funny story was, so the, the person who recommended me to go to Idaho, right, who sort of recruited me was Yao Guangzhai. I don't know if he was there while you were there. Yes. He's, yeah. So he's, yeah. Um, you know, now principal of Baltimore Symphony. Uh, we're still in touch, always giving me mentorship while I was there, before I was there, and now at this point. So his advice was also Doug. <laughs> so, oh, really? nice. yeah, so we had this, you know, mutual uh, relationship that was just very special. And I think, I agree. I think, um, you know, I see people getting kicked out uh, around me as well. Well, you know, my little short two years there, it made me really appreciate the experience even more because, you know, I couldn't agree more with this individual time because that's how we build this relationship <laughs> yeah. of, of knowing each other you know, after a few years reaching out back and you still taking my invitation on the podcast and that's, and it all started with those little coaching moments that, um, you know, with very limited amount of time, but they made all yeah, the difference. It, it's amazing. It's, it's very, it's very powerful that, that, that human connection, you know, particularly at, a, you know, teenagers, teenagers are difficult, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a really hard time of life. I mean, I know I was a very difficult teenager. It was like every, it's everybody has a bad teenager year, you know, and so having somebody that actually cares that is not your parent, because that's important, because mm -hmm. it's too complicated with your parents to, you know, to, to, to get that, that kind of closeness at that age. Sometimes uh, people don't, don't like to li listen to their parents, you know? No, of course not. Um, yeah. For me, I, I feel like, it happened a lot of times is my parents taught me some principles, right, in life. Then, you know, I listened and then here and there and I try to follow. It was sometimes there are disagreements. And then it makes a deeper impression for me when somebody else like you address the same principle to me. And then, you know, I actually take them. So I think right. I totally agree, you know, uh, again, with, uh, with Doug, with um, people like you, with all the mentorship or sometimes just one sentence or two really really makes a huge difference really makes a yeah. huge difference yeah and the thing is that i that you never know if you like if, if you're in my position i never know which what sentence it's going to be yep that yep. makes the big difference you know i mean but the important thing is to just be there and do it and uh uh yeah I, I, it's powerful
And I and I, I sometimes think that the educational system has forgotten that, particularly like public schools and stuff. You have like massive classes and and you know, very often the teacher is just trying to control the chaos and the violence in the class, you know, and and just a little individual time just makes changes everything. Right. Idaho is such a such a good place and it gives uh, actually a lot of hardship to me um, because I had to take my lessons every Wednesday in LA. So it's a lot of hardship, but it, I think the experience itself made it, you know, all worth the time. And I think I've, anybody listening to the podcast, you know, we have some high school students who want to want to go there and some of them actually reached out to me to go there. So, and I put them in touch and stuff. Um, if you want to go to Idol, you know, definitely, I think it's a great place to go. Um, just the faculty there is truly amazing. I don't think there's any other, I think there's no other art high school in the state that has college level faculties like Idaho. So that's, that's, that's the, I think the biggest difference um, it would make is, is the faculty. Um, you know, for me, as a junior in high school, I was studying with teacher teachers at Cobra. So for that experience, it's truly just, there's no other such thing like that uh, out there. So it's very, very special. It's true. I mean, it's when, when you're in Idlewild, you have the feeling that you're in the middle of nowhere. It's a beautiful nowhere. But in fact, it's only, you know, it's two hours away from Los Angeles, which is one of the big music centers in the world. So, uh, yeah, so you have both. It's, it's, it's beautiful in that way because it, it's, it's this little tiny mountain town and you can think you're in the 19th century, you know. And then, and then, you know, just two hours down the mountain and you're in this major metropolis with the great symphony orchestra and conservatories. And yeah, it's, it's a unique, it's a unique spot. Yep, for sure. All right, let's um, talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, your teaching aspect, right? You teach at the Yale School of Music, which is a great university, um, great school. So for those... Of, of the people listening who try to, you know, start a teaching career in music, um, be a professor just like you, what are some tips and strategies for them to get started or ultimately get a position at the university? Well, it's, it's different than when I started out now. I mean, now most jobs require a DMA. That is so right. if you, yep. if, you know, if you really want to have a teaching career, then then you need to go that DMA route. Um, um, there, there is one thing for, uh, for foreign students that they often uh, overlook, um, you know, because it's hard to get the green card and it's hard to get the, uh, the O-1 visa even. You know, I mean, it's, it's not impossible, but it, you have to really work hard for it. And, um, but there is, there is this system in place of these uh, teaching assistantships so after you've got your master's degree, there are all these these jobs are all over the country, uh, teaching assistantships, and so you get free tuition to 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 do your DMA. At the same time, you're also getting a salary from whatever ensemble you're playing, and you're playing in a string quartet or a wind quartet or something like that. And so you're you're kind of partially on the faculty, hmm. so you're paying taxes, and that's really important. So that, that so that when you when you then apply for your O one or your or your green card, they they already know who you are. Hmm. So it's much easier to get it then. 
And every one of my students who's taken that advice has gotten a green card. Uh, the ones that didn't take my advice don't have the green card. It's, mm. it's pretty clear, you know. I have some friends that are uh, immigration lawyers, and they said, yeah, that, that's the best thing you could possibly do is take one of those assistantship jobs. Very uh, interesting. And, you know, people don't think about it so much. Right? And it doesn't matter so much for, you know, for American students, but people from other countries that are trying to stay here and try to have a career here, that's the number one best way to do it. Mm. Uh, and they can get a green card fast. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Yeah. And once you, you know, once you've got a job, once you, once somebody's accepted you as a, as their professor, uh, green card is much easier to get. I mean, mm. pretty much you can get it, you know. Interesting. So your students basically took this route and then were they, were they doing a performing career or a teaching career or what are some typical ways uh, your students did it? Well, they were both, they were all doing DMA. So they were looking for a teaching career. Um, on the other hand, you know, it's hard. One, you, you can get the, the, I forget the name of the visa that when for a foreign student that's staying in this country just to study. Is that I think the it's F1, F1. F1, okay. Yep. Um, and you know, that one's easy to get when you're in a school. Hmm. But then when you graduate, You've you've either got one that one year of OPT, the yep. uh, optional professional training, right. and then you're forced to go back to your country, mm -hmm. and then it's hard to get back. So I tell people don't take the OPT because once you do, you you have to go back after that. So you take the OPT as late as you possibly can. You know, stay in school. And one way some people stay in school is to take these these uh, teaching assistantships. So they're officially a student for many, many, many more years. Uh, it's hard. I don't know. I, I don't know why the U.S. government makes it so difficult to, mm -hmm. for for musicians to to stay here. Uh, they just have for, different. I think it's for everybody. Uh, everybody, um, you know, whether you want to do business, whether you. I think tech nowadays is a somewhat easier because uh, yeah. it's a huge demand. But other than that, I think it's the same same level of difficulty. You know, I, I think every one of us is is um, having the the option to to decide. You know, or sometimes not even having the option to to think like whether we should stay here or or go back to where we're from. But uh, yeah, you know. Well, um, I mean, and to go back to your question, which I got away from. Um, whether you're, you know, whether you're uh, uh, American or from another country, uh, if you want to have, there are all kinds of teaching careers that you can have. You know, I mean, you could move to a large city and teach privately. And if you're, but if you're going to be a performer, then I think you have to think, you know, what what is it you're after. You know, what do you want to live in New York or LA and, and, and be part of the, this big freelance scene, which is hard work, uh, you know, because more people available than there are jobs. So it, it's constantly, you're always worried about when your next pay, paycheck is coming. Um, you know, or, or you can go to a smaller place uh, where you're just going to be teaching privately and not have very many performance opportunities. But some people like that. You know, it's, it, it's not what I did. I wanted, to, I wanted to be a soloist. 
So that was my goal was to be a soloist. And um, so I taught privately and, uh, and then I had some small, uh, a couple of beers at Manhattan School where I taught and, uh, and some uh, Juilliard pre-college. Um, but I didn't really, I don't really have the academic credentials to be able to get a job like Yale. But luckily if it's a conservatory, like Yale is a conservatory, they don't, they don't care about your academic degree. They just care about your, uh, your reputation and your experience. So, you know, since I had a lot of experience playing, you know, once I did become a soloist, I was playing recitals and concertos and stuff everywhere. Um, that was enough, that was enough experience for a place like Yale or Juilliard or Eastman or Curtis, where they don't care about the degree, they care about the the reputation and experience. But those jobs, there aren't that many jobs like that, you know, uh, and you're not gonna get one of those when you're very young probably, because again, you need to have uh, quite a reputation established. Um, so most people end up having to go the academic route. And so then uh, there are some schools, I mean, you need to, you know, you need to have uh, a bachelor's obviously uh, and master's. And then at a certain at that point, you've got to you've got to get a DMA if you want to be teach have a hope of teaching someplace good. So there's two or three places that do not require uh, a dissertation. You know, you're like you like two recitals is the same as one dissertation or something like that. So no no you know no big paper. And so a lot of musicians go to the, one of those is Stony Brook. Uh, uh, Boston University, uh, University of Texas at Austin, interestingly enough. Um, and there's, they're all, you know, they're all over. But uh, uh, that, that seems to be important to have, to have the DMA. So if, if, you, if you're not a very kind of bookish kind of person, you don't want to be at a place where they require big paper, you know. So, you know, think about going to BU or Stony Brook or one of those places. So, so what was the time that you feel like your solo career was starting or did you have uh, a management or did you, so how did you get your, I think the solo performance part of your life started? And well, at least, you know, it's, it's a little different now because there's all this all online stuff that wasn't around when I was a kid. That is true. Um, so, but you know, I think you have to be a hundred percent focused on what your goal is. Hmm. You have, that has to be all you want. And, uh, you know, and you have to be obsessed, like insane, crazy for it uh, in order to make it really work, you know. And then and to hope it, for having a little bit of chance of working, right? So the odds are, yeah, uh, right. the odds are very little. Yeah, just. Yeah, it's, it's a very, it's very risky. Um, but I think when you're in that mindset of saying, okay, this, that's the only thing I care about in life is getting, is getting these, that, that, that career. Then everything you see becomes a decision about that career. You know, every glass of water that's put in front of you is somehow related to your career. And you, you, know, you think that way, it doesn't make you a very nice person to be around usually. Too competitive, it, you mean. <laughs> but it you know, but it will result in, 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 you know, you'll get results from it. So, I mean, I, I saw, 
I was excited by this flute player, Jean-Pierre Rampal. He was the he was the most famous flute player in the world, and and he was an exciting musician. And uh, so I made sure that I got close to him because I wanted to do what he was doing. So that's my advice to like if you you want to be let's say you want to be a solo violist, you got to get to know the people who are successful at it and find out how they do it. It's not you know because it's not just I mean somebody doesn't say okay. You're the you're the best view. Oh, camera on this iPad is so hard to find. Uh, you're the best viol you're the best violist in the world, and so you're going to have a career. It doesn't work that way at all. You know, you can sit in your apartment and be the best violist in the world, and nobody will, will care. You've got to you've got to get out there and show your your product basically to be very crass about it. Um, so if you, you know, if you, so if somebody, if you want to be a solo violist, then you've got to find out there's like two or three people in the world that are successful at that. You've got to get to know one of those people. Uh, and that will open all the doors that you need because you won't even know what all the doors are until you talk to that person. And that's how it worked for me. That's how it worked for me. Uh, so this, I've met Ron Paul, um, he saw something in me that he wanted to develop, and uh, and that's how it that's how it all happened for me. Um, I mean, I think if you were a, you know, if you're a, let's say you wanted to be in a string quartet, and you don't want to be a soloist, but you want to be in a great string quartet, you need to get to know the people who are in those string quartets and start talking to them. Uh, first of all, because they need to know about you too. Because they want to know who you know who, who's the next generation who's who's coming up after us you know um, that's it, it it goes back to our first our first observation which is that the environment really matters you know so if you if if you want to be uh, if if you want to be in the middle of things then don't move to a comfortable part of the country you know don't move to Florida or something like that because you know it's not going to happen for you. Uh, I, I just moved to Southern California, but I'm at the end of my career. You know, I'm in I'm in the final chapters of my career, so I I have the luxury of living in a nice place. But if I want, if you're at the beginning of your career, you have two choices: L.A. or New York. That's it. You know, there's no place else where you're gonna where you're gonna reach the top. I mean, maybe you don't want to reach the top, then it's okay. You can live in Chicago or Cincinnati or whatever. But if you want to be at the top. New York is actually number one, and LA is the second. Demand is so big there. It is, and but also the risk is very big, you know. And, yeah. And yeah. and you'll probably end up working for Starbucks for a couple of years, you know. I mean, that's <laughs> what happens, you know. I mean, unless you happen to have rich parents or something, you know, it's, that's what happens. That's what I did. I worked for I worked for AT and T. I was I was broke, but I didn't want to. I didn't want a. Uh, I didn't want an orchestra job. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I knew I wouldn't flourish in that environment. Uh, I like conducting orchestras, but I don't like playing in them very much. Uh, it's, it's just, it just doesn't work for me. Interesting. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, happened to be a violist, um, happened to make it in his freelancing career, solo career. He's very entrepreneurial. He's taking advantage of all those online stuff, has a big following on social media. And he was telling me the same thing. He lived in New York. Now he's in LA. 
it's a, it's a lot of hustling. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of a uh, lot of uh, you know bits and bolts of picking up things here and there, and then sometimes playing gigs that he had no desire to play for the people that he th- has no desire to work with, and it's it's very hard to make it. But um, you know, have the gut to stick with it. Here, here's something he told me. So he he said, if you want to take this music career seriously. You know, you better buckle up <laughs> because <laughs> because it's uh, it's a lot of you know a, a lot of adventures waiting for you. But it's a, um, it's a rough ride, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so let's let's um, dig into this part a little bit, right? So we often have those choices, right? So for me, I go to Northwestern, which top school has many choices, right? Besides music, and I'm doing you know more things besides music. But anyways, that's beyond the point. So what I'm what I'm trying to ask is. So we often have this, these two choices in life, whether we chase money or we chase happiness, right? And that, I think that's a, that's a huge debate I'm seeing with one side of my business friend who would often choose to chase, you know, the money and the, the, the branding, the image of the, the big firms and stuff. And the other, the other side is the music part, right? People are chasing more relative happiness or... So for you having to have this experience of you know going through some hardship making it music a comfortable living which one do you think is is really good to for teenagers to be aware of or which one should we chase well yeah i mean your parents will probably tell you that music is 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 not a good choice because you never know if there's enough money so i always tell people you know you have if if if, if you want to be a musician then it has to be because nothing else will nothing else will do for you you know nothing else will make you happy you know if there's anything else that will make you happy do that instead because music is really hard you know having said all that one one thing that i've noticed is that you know there are a lot of like for example there are a lot of doctors that that were musicians before you know i know lots of them and they're even they're even doctors orchestras in new york and la you know all, all doctors and all day they just play on the weekends or whenever they're free. Uh, and they're very happy when they're playing. You know, and I sometimes en- I, I envy them because they they can play music just for pleasure. And uh, and then they can leave it because the money is being made elsewhere. In a certain way, they're 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 luckier than we are. Because they don't have any, they have all the pleasure of music with none of the trouble, but that's not enough for me. I could never do that uh, because I, uh, yeah. If you're going to be in music, you're going to be in it for the good and the bad. You know, it's like having a relationship with someone. Like it's going, there's going to be ups and downs. You know, and so it's, uh, it's not, it's not something that you want to uh, consider lightly. So if if you're not willing. Excuse me. If you're not willing to go through the bad parts, then don't do it. Because there's going to be lots of downtime, lots of times when you're disappointed. I mean, lots of times when you feel like you did your best work and you get a terrible review in the New York Times. You know, that's painful and 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 really really hard to recover from. So you got to have that kind of dedication. Like uh, no matter what, I'm going to be a musician because there's it's so much easier everywhere else in life to, to, to make money, to, you know, just make enough money to have a house and, 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 a, and, and a car and, and a family. So yeah, it, it is a choice. Uh, 
it's I don't know. It's not always hard. It's not always easy to make that choice when you're when you're young. It's not always easy to see what's going on. So I, I, you know, I say seek the advice of an older musician, you know, and if you're lucky, someone will tell you the truth. You know, it, it's so interesting. I've asked the same question. My first teacher, who's in Charlottesville, gave me the exact same answer, exact same words. He said, you know, Stephen, if you, I, I told him I want to be a music major. And back then I was like, I want to be a full-time all-in musician, blah, blah, blah. Now my idea has changed. But back then I was telling him, I want to be a performer, blah, blah, blah. And he was telling me, okay, Stephen, listen, <laughs> if you have nothing else to choose in your life, and you want to take this route, go ahead and, you know, buckle up and do it, whatever. And I was, I was, I was pretty shocked because back then I was extremely passionate. I was like, okay, this is the only thing I, and I, you know, thought many times I was like only 10th grade or something in high school. And I was telling him, he was giving me this like slap in the face. And then I was like, okay, this was not, this was not what I was looking for. And then, you know, I met uh, Mr. Mr. Jai at the Interlochen for my summer instruction. And he told me similar things, uh, blah, blah, blah. We had this long conversation. You know, we always go back to this conversation, always go back to the conversation. And then I met uh, Mr. Gilad, asked the same question, similar answers. And then I met you. I just always appreciate this honesty. I feel like sometimes people are not honest enough to face this reality. They were like, okay, music is this happy career, you know, but they don't cope with like the hard parts of it. So for me, um, I think my, my understanding of it, it's, it's, a, it's finding the right choice for you. And then now I really don't feel like you must get a music major to be involved in music anymore. You know, I started Northwestern as a due degree. Um, some people didn't know that I dropped music, but I dropped it so I have more time to do this, to have more conversation with people that are much older than me, to have this perspectives from musicians about life, about interesting things that I really enjoy doing. Because I realized one thing is I wasn't as passionate as playing as I was before. And I wasn't feeling the way that music was giving me the equally same amount of joy when I play anymore. Because, you know, in college life, you're playing more things that you, you don't like to play. You're playing more ensembles you don't like to be in and take more classes, you know. You don't find that, that enjoyable. It was really taking the fun part away from me playing music. So I think you're absolutely right. People have to think about, are they okay with accepting that side of music before going to music as a major, as a career, whatever. But for me, I realized I really want to do these kind of things more than playing the clarinet because I'm, you know, impacting people. People are listening, sending me very lovely, nice, you know, notes that really, you know, cherish me and warms my heart. I feel like, you know, doing this is, it makes it, makes it all worth, you know, uh, my time. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. You're, you're lucky if you're, if you're beginning, if you've begun to realize that, that you have a, a slightly different interest than you did when you were younger. You're lucky to discover that now before you get too entangled in, you know, mm. in something that you find you don't like. Right. I'm, I'm personally very reluctant to tell someone like when I'm teaching them that I don't think they, I don't think they have the talent or whatever, because mm. my hard. experience is that, well, my experience is too, that people, blossom at different times That's you know That's right. like like i could I, I could say that to someone just at the wrong time 
and it would destroy their life when if I had waited uh, two months, uh, uh, th they would have shown me that they had, they, everything was working, you know. So I'm very reluctant, but I have a couple of times uh, s said, you know, I don't think your heart is in this, mm. you know, and I could just something I could just tell in the way they're playing. And like, I, I just feel like in both cases, they said, you're right. I really want to be this instead, you know, and, and uh, so it's a dangerous thing to bring up, but I'm, I'm lucky in that, that both times I did that, the people, and they're both now famous in the other field. So, you know, it's all about, so it's it. like not, not being, but you know, they still play great. Yeah. So, you know, so they're, uh, they're, uh, they've got both, they've got the best of both worlds because they can, you know, they have a solid way of, of making money and, and, and uh, advancing their career. Uh, and then music for them is just only the good parts. That's absolutely what I discovered in this past year of COVID. Um, because, okay, due degree is hard. Economics and music, it's, I'm doubling, tripling the amount of courses people take as normal college kids. But, you know, plus, you know, practice and all that time, you know, that's aside from you taking classes. So I really sit down and then think, all right, which, which of the ones are the ones that are at the moment I really need to study for? You know, I, I was very lucky. I had really one of the best for me. It was the best clarinet teachers in the world to teach me uh, in high school. And what I learned from him was this whole system of principles of how to teach yourself on the clarinet so I can apply to that, you know, with a new piece or whatever, I can basically apply the same principles and then, you know, hear what I'm playing, record myself, and then, you know, basically do the same, but for different levels. So I was really asking myself, do I really need all those extra classes? But for people who didn't have the background, you know, at studying with a very good teacher or having the resource to train in high school, absolutely music major would help. But for me personally, it wasn't really helping that much. And I, I realized, okay, this music thing, I can really do it on my, on my own. You know, I can still practice. I still knows how to practice. And then I can play just for purely the joy side of it. So that was a tough decision I had to make, but I'm glad I did it. Again, have all this extra energy to do this every single week. And, you know, I'm producing videos um, every single week. Thankfully to Henry, my, my dear friend who helps me edit so we can make this happen and really really makes the fun part of music come back again. So that's, that's quite special. Uh, but sometimes you have to have to make the tough decision a little bit, you know, otherwise I, I really, I can't do this. <laughs> can't do this. Can't do this anymore. All right. Let's um, last two questions before we wrap up. So I always ask this, this question um, with, with almost every single guest of, of mine is that, if you look back to your younger self, right, what advice would you give yourself and what are the things you should have or would have done better? What I would have, what I would say, uh, some background is that by the time I was 15, I was like a social recluse because I was, I, was, I was just practicing and listening to music and, and, and that's it. I mean, I had no social life. And that existed all the way through... Uh, through Juilliard and, and beyond. So uh, uh, I would say, 
you know, put the instrument down, have a social life. You might actually learn something from somebody else. You know? That's interesting. That was, sorry to interrupt, but that was the same situation for me when I was in high school. Well, Idlewild was an isolated place, but, yeah. you know, and I wasn't, you know, feeling connected with the people around there, but most, most of the time. So I just stayed with practicing. And that's pretty much what I did for two years. But please go ahead. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was doing too in high school. And I mean, it has an advantage in that you, you, you form a, a technical base on your instrument that you never go below. So, you know, if people later in life have to struggle to keep their technique, uh, I'm fine because I spent so many hours doing that stuff when I was young. Um, but not having the social stuff, it meant that I had to learn how to interact with other people much later in life than, than most people did. So it was, it's, that's tough. And so I would never, I, my advice to my younger self would be just, you know, get out of the practice room some and, you know, and, and make friends with people and, you know, and, and go to parties and stuff. I never did any of that stuff. And, uh, you know, and I missed a lot of, I, 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 I got a lot of great practice time in, but I missed a lot of what life is really for. Again, you never know who you meet. You know, I feel like sometimes I meet people in college, start a conversation, and then they join my team to work on my startups or, mm -hmm. you know, they're helping me edit. Literally, Henry, we started this conversation because I was visiting Indiana this past um, Christmas break. He was on my team, but, you know, I was trying to figure out whose role was doing what, et cetera. I was basically doing like 90% of all the work and I was burning myself out. So we had this very interesting conversation and then he was like, all right, Steven, if you need any help, just let me know. I was like, okay, yeah, but I, I'm really trying to push my, my podcast and I want to do it every single week to blow it up and then impact more people. But I need a content producer. I can't just sit in my room, edit videos, and then still produce and publish just too much work for myself. Mm. And he's like, okay, why don't I help you? So that's how I started. So I 100% agree with that. And then now, you know, we're producing every single week and he's helping me edit without his help this whole thing would not be possible so again shout out to henry um yeah it's and then the same thing with you you know if, if i had never sent the email if we never mm -hmm. talked you'd, you know it's it's not gonna happen so yeah i yeah. think people is it's really what matters the most especially music because it's such a small world yeah and and the thing is that you you do actually learn from other people Absolutely. You know, because, you know, when you're by yourself, you, you start to create a, a world where everything makes sense. And then you talk to one other person and they have an idea that you never thought of. And that completely changes the way you think. Extreme, and, uh, extreme. You know, and that's, that's really, really important. Yeah, I guess the other thing that I would say to myself is, you know, uh, read more books, look at more art, uh, uh, watch performances that are not music. Because uh, those are the things that make your performances and uh, interesting, like you know, the, the, like the fact that you you've read or seen Romeo and Juliet changes you forever, and 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 changes the way you play that E flat, you know, and and it's 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 those little things that that enrich you as a human being and as an artist. And I waited I waited quite long, you know. I, 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 instead of doing that, I was practicing. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know, as we know, there's a certain advantage to that too. Um, 
but uh, I think it's what it's it, it's what makes a performance by uh, by a prodigy different from a performance by a great artist. A prodigy may play everything perfectly, and it's exciting because they're so young and 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 I'm as excited by it as everybody is. But the difference is that you get a, a great artist that's older. They don't they don't play they don't play everything perfectly but they have some kind of deep artistic insight that comes from having interacted with other great artists and other great artworks. And uh, that's what I wish I had started earlier. Interesting that you start connecting the dots with different concepts. I, I learned that I think gradually, um, just recently, I think the past year or so, I'm starting to hear different colors within solo pieces, right? With solo piano concerts or etc. I'm starting to see different things and the imagination is truly powerful. And I 100% agree. If you don't take the time to, to learn about other concepts, this probably will never appear in your mind and you will never taste a good part of music. It's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. Well, I look at somebody like Yo-Yo Ma. You know, I, I actually heard Yo-Yo when he was 12 years old giving a recital at Juilliard. It was a pre, he was in the pre-college at Juilliard, believe it or not. He was, you know, he was 12 and I, I was I had work study and I was I was running the lights for the small recital hall at Juilliard, and I heard this cello recital I couldn't believe, you know it was just uh, a, a technical level I'd never imagined on the cello, you know, and uh, what he did instead of going to Juilliard, he went to he went to um, uh, um, Cambridge. What am I thinking of? Um, Harvard, right? Harvard, thank you. Yeah. Um, he went to Harvard where he had a full arts education, arts and intellectual education. And I'm convinced that that's part of why he's such a fascinating musician to listen to. Because he's not just a great musician and a great cellist. He's thinking about other really interesting stuff that he was exposed to when he was in college. Um, so. You know, I mean, I guess an undergrad degree like that is not for everybody because it's hard work, as you know. Uh, but it does show you that if you're exposed to a lot of, 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 of the greatest information and greatest art, uh, it makes you a better artist. Yeah, um, that reminds me again, one another example of, uh, you know, Professor Longi, Jonathan Kohler, clarinetist. That I interviewed, you know, interesting. He was the first guy that gave me a masterclass. That's someone from the States, you know, for me. So we built a deep relationship, you know, decades ago. Um, but anyways, my point was he went to Harvard, studied physics there. And he was telling me, you know, was doing music all the time on the side. So he was getting the pure joy of it. And he was getting the academics. And now he's, you know, professors, soloists like you, you know, recording artists doing doing it all it just it, it's amazing so so i i think it really it really is just there are many ways of making i think your life work and for me i think back in high school i thought all right music performance that's the only way out you know i have this tunnel vision but now my perspectives changed almost on a weekly basis as i'm talking to people like you every single week and again going back to the podcast point i'm doing this at the end, you know, if really I, I wouldn't care 
much about you know whether there are ten thousand people listening or you know two people listening. At the end, it's really purely for me and Henry to learn this this idea of getting perspective. And he was telling me the same thing. You know, every week, if you know, just nobody listens, it's fine. We're getting our education, <laughs> and that's the <laughs> most important part. You know, I, I, I'm gradually figuring out. You, Every single week, it's giving me some unique perspectives that I've never think of before, or it serves as a great reminder for me to, you know, pick up the the bits of of things that I've learned before that I'm you know losing gradually. But it, it's such a great thing, I think, to have people like you on here to speak and then reminding me about uh, all the things I, I used to think about. <laughs> I think before uh-huh. that. <laughs> yeah. One last thing um, we we can address here uh, before before we let you go. It's um. This is a question that's submitted by one of our listeners. It's music is a competitive industry, as we you know talked about, with very limited amount amount of jobs, right? So, how do we deal with jealousy as musicians and not being negative when other people do better? It's very hard, and it's been it's been it's been a problem since music began. You know, uh, I mean, even I I, I read something from a, a, a great. A great, great musician. I think it was. Uh, it, uh, I won't say the name. It was a great violinist. I'm, I'm, he's not not alive anymore. He said, "I don't know which is the greater pleasure: reading my own wonderful reviews or reading bad reviews of my colleagues." <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> so uh, it's been around for a long time. I, it's the hardest thing. I, I think it's the hardest thing of all is to be generous enough to, to realize. But the thing is that, first of all, there's room for everybody. And the, one of my managers told me that when I was getting all upset about something, you know, jealous about something, uh, you know, he said, there's room for everybody. You know, it, jealousy only hurts yourself. You know, it's not hurting that other person at all. It's just making your life more difficult. So, I mean, I'm telling you this as if it's easy because it's not easy because uh, I, you know, I get jealous every day about something that I hear somebody's doing, you know. Uh, but the thing is that the more people that are doing things successfully, the better it is for everybody. So again, you know, th- that's the wise thing to think about. That's the, that's the high road. Uh, I can't always reach it though. Sometimes I'm stuck on the low road and just as angry as everybody else. All the same. <laughs> I think it's human nature. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great. Yeah. So thank you so much, Mr. Wilson. My pleasure. Again, again, such an honor and pleasure to have you on getting great perspectives as, as always. And then, you know, when I visit California, I would definitely come down and then visit you in person. Love to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. You have a great day. Take Take care. care. Bye-bye.